The Dynasty League podcast is brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag and use the promo code DYNESPORTS, D-Y-N-E-S, sports with an S at the end of it. No spaces in between so they know who sent you. MyBookie has some of the friendliest lines across the internet. And whether you're looking for single game bets, multi-game parlays, future bets or more, they've got a little bit of something for everyone. So head over to DynesPressBox.com, click on any of our pre-populated banners and they'll take you right over there or mybookie.ag and use the promo code DYNESPORTS today. Must be 18 years of age or older, please gamble responsibly. We did it. The season finale. We made it through an entire NFL fantasy football season. Didn't get canceled. Didn't have the woke mob come after us for something that Eric said on air. I I think that's got to get chalked up as a win in and of itself. Couldn't for the life of me give good fantasy advice this year but at least i didn't get canceled there you go you showed up every week you suited up you lasted almost the whole episode sometimes you got a little bit sleepy but unlike antonio brown you didn't launch equipment into the stands midway through an episode so there you go gonna be a little little feather in your cap someone was making jokes about him leaving and they figured it was like his incentives and it was like did he forget there's an extra game this year this wasn't the last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he that was a costly. Because he, I mean, again, you know, how much time was left on a clock when he left the game? There was, was at like, least a full, a, a full, full quarter. quarter. Yeah, yeah. And then he's got next week against the Panthers. Like he could have gotten the fifty-five yards he needed for a third of that million dollars. You know what I mean? Like I was actually the funny thing is, is I was actually watching uh, from time to time. I go back to um, the hit that Juju laid on Vontez Perfect. I love watching it. It's, it's a great highlight. And and I and, and because that was sort of, um, you know, Juju did that to him because you know he clocked Antonio Brown in the playoffs the year before. I think it was might have been the year before. Yeah. And I I just wonder. I'm like, if like do hits like that. Because like we all we we've seen how um, the certain the, the various mental health struggles that come with being hit, you know, and having those kind of head injuries. Do you like? I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a maybe I'm really speculating here, but do you think it's possible that like a hit like that? Yes. If it didn't if it didn't cause this, contributed to you know more erratic behavior that 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 we because I mean at least. From what I remember, Craig, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong because you usually have your ear to the ground a lot of stuff like this. But was there ever really issues with Antonio Brown before that? Yes. <laughs> there, okay. There, not, there, not there were issues, but not yeah, not to that extreme. They certainly became more erratic. But you have to remember, this is the same guy who, first of all, like th- there there are definitely mental health issues at play here. There are probably some underlying things before that hit happened, but that hit certainly didn't help anything. I don't profess to be a psychologist. So I don't profess myself to be any kind of medical expert. But anytime you get absolutely cold cocked like that to the point where there's severe brain injury, where your head's sloshing around and you are clearly concussed, it doesn't help things for sure. No. What the hell? Was Sorry. That? <laughs> Sorry. I, t- I turned on Dazen, and that was just the audio coming from the uh, people talking in the booth. It was they're, they're doing a, a remembering John Madden segment, and all I heard was the wardrobe. Yeah. Gotcha. And then I, and then I hit mute. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, I'm glad Dazen's working for some people. Yeah. 
I was gonna say you have to remember though like the stuff that he was doing before that though it was more so the like okay I I don't want to go to practice I'm gonna be wearing a fur coat on the sidelines it was more like the Terrell Owens sort of like Randy Moss diva wide receiver stuff taking selfies with fans instead of running routes at you know OTAs and stuff like that but yeah, it uh, it's fair to speculate that things certainly took a interesting turn, we'll say, to put it lightly, after that hit. The last two years have been like the biggest diva shit we have ever seen from yeah. a wide receiver. Well, was was that the it's only time unreal. he got that? Was that the only time he got clocked in the head like that, or did that happen uh, another time? I mean, it's well? NFL; they all they're all getting clocked in the head. Right. That was the one that really facing knocked him unconscious like but like, like, was, like, like there's there other stuff before and didn't he also have issues and i mean so many of them do i could be getting confused but didn't he also have issues in college and that's why he dropped where he did in the draft as well oh he's playing a small school what was it like central michigan with it was like him and jj watt were on the same team <laughs> i think before jj went to wisconsin or something like that but it's yeah uh, it's a sad story because you hope that he gets the help that he needs but I mean, at this point, unless it's someone that is very close to him, like a Lev Bell, like a Tom Brady, someone who he'll actually respond instantly to those text messages and outreaches, trying to put him in help with someone. I I don't know how receptive he's going to be, especially with it being so I mean, it'd be nice if we can get the full story because we're hearing two different sides of it right now, too. Right. Yeah, I just did a bit of fact-checking there, Kyle. You're right. J.J. Watt did go to Central Michigan before he went to Wisconsin. I did not know. And the more you know. I mean, you had to assume Kyle knew what he was talking about. He didn't just. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to say fact. And so did like, Cordero Patterson. It's, it sounds like that I'm challenging you, but I actually wasn't. It was just more being like, oh, really? Cool. Let's check it out. Well, we could sit here and talk about the ongoing saga that is Antonio Brown and how Mike Tomlin essentially deserves a humanitarian award for putting up with him for as long as he did in Pittsburgh. But. We've got a pretty jam-packed episode we got to get to tonight. It is our end-of-year wrap-up, the Fantasy Football Awards show. First and foremost, though, off the top, we have no one playing tonight in the Monday Nighter, so the Pods versus Pros is officially in the books. Eric, Craig, congratulations. You guys got bronze this year. You won absolutely mm-hmm. nothing as a result of coming in third. I, I made it to the finals. Unfortunately, my team forgot that they were going to the finals and I got ah. by 100 points. So I, I put up 76 and the, my opponent, Mr. Tim Baines from Post Media. This is Hill he, City Hall calling to get your feedback on the call. What are you doing, Eric? <laughs> Sorry, the, the call that was coming in interrupted my sound. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I had to deal with it. Oh my lord! But this, for those this, this, who... this is why all my episodes take so long to edit. <laughs> like Jesus, we're what like close to twenty five episodes in, and this is still the stuff that's going on here. Uh. But Kyle actually took down another piece of hardware in our other league with a third place finish. Congratulations. Sure. I believe he was trying to congratulate the winner, though, at the time of the interruption. The winner this year, Tim Baines from Post Media. Congratulations. He, he went out and he picked up all of the players that absolutely went off 
you know, he this weekend he had Rashad Penny in his lineup. He had Jamar Chase in his lineup. He obviously Jeez. had him for longer than a pickup. So uh, yeah, 176 to 76. It was uh, an absolute bloodbath, but congratulations, Tim Baines, the winner of the inaugural Pods versus Pros Challenge, $1,000. Going to Chio. <laughs> Going to the Chio. There's only one. There you go. The one and only Chio. So good job. Oh, yeah. Jamar Chase. I feel like his name's going to come up a few times if we're doing an awards podcast tonight. Yeah, could be. That was one of the best games I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm just I'm just elated. At the, I have about half a dozen premium product Joe Burrow parallel rookie cards. A few prisms, a few optics, non-base. Put it up. Jamar Chase should help with that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Eric was one that was definitely not clamoring for taking an offensive lineman in this year's draft. He was very happy with the Jamar Chase selection for Joe Burrow's purposes. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. You talk about, you know, if you get a – this is something I mentioned when we were on the podcast earlier in the year is if you get a guy like that who you can spot that is going to have a good chance to, you know, make a play on a ball, you, get, you, you, you tend to get the ball out faster to guys like that. So that does help. I still think they need to go offensive. They need to go offensive line in this draft if, if it lines up well because he's still getting sacked so much. And yeah, you could tell at the, at, pressure you could get, yeah, you could tell at the end of the game he was kind of he was hurting somewhere. So he they need better protection for him. Oh gosh. Part of that was that they tried like four or five QB sneaks that game and he got rocked and yeah. everyone but yeah. <laughs> three of them in a row. Oh my god. Fant it off. <laughs> Let's get right to it here, boys. We got a lot of hardware to hand out. All of it being mailed out to these players. We just need to get their mailing addresses and we can send it to them. But starting off first. <laughs> The parameters, because Eric is nothing but a stickler for parameters. These Love are it. the fantasy football awards. So these are not our selections for who the NFL journalists will give the MVP award to or the offensive rookie of the year. This is strictly for fantasy football purposes, who these winners will be. So we've got by my count here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten categories that we're going to rattle through. Going to start off with a big one. Might as well start with MVP. So, <laughs> Craig, why don't you kick us off there? Who was your fantasy football MVP for 2021? For this, I was kind of looking at most points kind of thing and who actually was able to stay healthy for most of the year. And it's this might be in the being a unanimous one, but Jonathan Taylor. Healthy the whole time, absolutely crushed it down the stretch. One of the only, one of the few guys that actually lived up to where he was taken in the draft. Because this this year, for whatever reason, the first round, a lot of them seemed to struggle a bit. Jonathan Taylor, first round pick, and he just crushed it. Easy decision. Um, I, I'm going to say yes, but I'll think maybe I'll go with a, di a different perspective here just to mix things up. My Bud Light MVP of the <laughs> fantasy the football season. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wasn't aware. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my again my pick for bud light fantasy football mvp I, I i i do you know what i'll go with cooper cup simply because the drop off between him and wide receiver number two and running and jonathan taylor and running back number two is bigger so therefore making him more valuable 
than Jonathan Taylor. Again, I, I think you could probably go either way. I just think Cooper Cup had such a monster year that I kind of have to go with, if you're playing PPR, so sorry, strictly PPR, not half point PPR, full point PPR, my vote goes to Cooper Cup, slightly edging out my fa- one of my favorite players in the league, Jonathan Taylor. Unbelievable. I went with Cooper Cup as well, strictly because I figured for sure both of you guys were going Jonathan Taylor, but I also had him on my team this year. I had Jonathan Taylor as well too, and somehow didn't win the league, but that's a story for another day. But, Talk about most valuable. Oh my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper Cup though. Uh, I, I'm even going to say in the half point PPR, I would still give him the nod over Jonathan Taylor. Number six overall in Yahoo, which, I mean, if you look at any of the Yahoo rankings, it always skews to QBs. So I think like one yes. through four are all QBs. Sorry, I was going to say, I think Yahoo like gives it like who has the most points kind of, but because, you know, yeah, QBs get you the most points usually. Um, I think even in a PPR league, Cooper Cup has actually outpaced almost all of the other quarterbacks. But, um, you know, quarterbacks, the drop-off between one and two and then two and three and then ongoing isn't as big as the drop-off between Cooper Cup and I think what, Devontae Adams would be the next one. Well, the next one down. interrupting like me here. I was about to get to that. <laughs> well, well, I said it first. <laughs> podcast is this really right yeah i mean there you go cooper cup though he's a hundred almost 100 points clear of number two which is debo samuel so cooper cup Uh, 159.9 points debo samuel came in at 287 if you look even just at the production from last year cooper cup went from 168 to 359 and he's still got a week to play so if you look at it just apples to apples the season's done as of last year so these are essentially doubling last week output no from last year oh from last year i thought i thought you're saying that like the fantasy season was done okay this pat never mind sorry i just wasn't really paying attention <laughs> i can tell <laughs> 138 receptions 1829 yards 15 tds just the drop-off between him and the next best wide receiver. Mm. He's right up there in terms of points. He's, I think, two point, what's my math here? 2.3 points behind Jonathan Taylor at a tougher position to put up points. So I'm yep. going to go with our friend Cooper Cup out in L.A. this year. Cool. Eric, you're chomping at the bit to get out points here. Why don't you start us off with Rookie of the Year? This one, Craig, I think you're probably right. I think it'll be a clean sweep. So my Labatt Blue Rookie of the Year is none other than Jamar Chase, obviously. You're going to insult Jamar Chase with the Labatt Blue? We'll just just go with Labatt Beer. Come on. Well, we're we're going going through the list. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's who I had there as well, too. I mean, he kind of hit a wall midway through the season and then all of a sudden all the talks of like oh mac jones is starting to look pretty good and people started questioning even in like the real life rookie of the year voting who's it gonna be i mean in fantasy football this wasn't even close because the amount of output that jamar chase put at wide receiver versus mac jones who's probably what on most leagues a waiver wire unless you got a super flex or something like that two qb league anything but he's not a 
starter by any stretch of the imagination. He's kind of a two TD, 200 yards kind of guy. Whereas Jamar Chase just put up 200 and some odd yards and three TDs and like 50 points worth of uh, fantasy football points just this past weekend. So yeah, end of the day, 79 receptions, 1,429 yards, 13 TDs, broke the rookie receiving yards record Justin Jefferson previously set already and he's got one more game to play so didn't even need the extra week he's my pick as well too yeah I mean you just said the top two there like Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver Mac Jones is not a top five quarterback Mm -hmm. yeah like there's there's end of debate (laughs) yeah exactly and it's just the catches I mean obviously I watched last game my god it was good coverage, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would jump the guy, just nope, mine. I think they're going forward. Do you get Moss like four or five times in the game before? Yeah. Did you, do you think that going forward, though, we see him get the same treatment that Tyreek Hill did this year, where there's more going to be, can't. you know? You can't because they have too many weapons, Bengals. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. I guess dude, people see people. Yeah. and Tyler Boyd yeah. and Zoma yeah. versus. No. Jamar yeah. Chase is still going to get his his yeah, crazy right. amount of touches. No, you're right. You're right. Because, yeah, it's, it's not like those other guys aren't talented. That's no. going to be a good – that's going to be a great offense for a while. They just once – they, once they get that offensive line solidified, if they give him a cleaner pocket and more time, that's going to be a good team. Yeah. All right. Here's where the categories – I think we're going to start having some difference of opinions mm. moving forward here. So let's go to biggest bust. So this year, someone who was based off of where they were preseason ranked and people had them pegged, who underwhelmed the most. So my selection for the biggest bust of 2021, Chicago Bears wide receiver, Mr. Allen Robinson. Depending where you were looking, he was the preseason wide receiver 11 or 12. So that would be ranked ahead of people like Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Godwin, Amari Cooper, and he put up 65 points, 388 yards, one TD this year. You can blame Matt Nagy. You can blame the quarterback play all you want. But at the end of the day, Allen Robinson owners likely either dropped him or have been cursing his name the entire season. Yeah. For me, there could be only one bust this year, and his name is Henry Ruggs. Enough said. And, of course, I did not associate any sponsorship with this because he is undeserving of such a fine, crisp, cool portfolio of beer attached to his name. All right. Well, mine, it goes to the person who, on most leagues, probably went number one overall, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, great when he played, but, man, like, just injuries and just the – it was the type of injuries where you had to keep him around, too, and you just weren't sure when he was going to be able to play again. And when he finally came back – three game stretch and he's out again so just for the position that he was drafted in it's got to be McCaffrey you'd almost prefer the you know J.K. Dobbins injury where it's just not done for the year I know I can drop him at this point unless I'm in a dynasty Uh keeper league or something but like you said the I'm gonna play two games then I'm out for four then I'm back for one and then I'm out for two then I'm back for two like it it just crippled anyone who took him this year on the roster yeah I mean you, you can't you can't miss out on the number one it, or the, your first round pick really and if you lose your number one I mean just ugh, tough to win what league you're in there that means you're essentially punting the top 20 or 24 players in the league before you get to right and so 
All right. Well, that's a good segue into our next category, the most devastating injury this year. So what injury to a key player absolutely crippled fantasy rosters in 2021? So I got, I need to clarify some more parameters here, Kyle. Are we picking a player or are we picking an injury? Are we going the ACL tear? What's the most <laughs> devastating <laughs> No, you do not need to pull out a WebMD and look up severity <laughs> and start ranking them. We're going for a player. So In that case, I will go with the list, Frank. <laughs> I'm kidding. I think we're going to be I think we're going to be unanimous with this one. Derrick Henry, simply because the guy was carrying teams. And then just as soon as that happened, uh, many teams were probably finding it pretty difficult to uh, to score that many points because if you had a backup for Tennessee, I mean, you certainly didn't weren't getting the production that, you know, that Derrick Henry was getting. Got a little cup of coffee with Adrian Peterson at one point. Well, that's it. They didn't Dante know who it was going to be for the longest yeah. time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I picked up Jeremy McNichols for a hefty price tag after <laughs> Henry's injury happened, and that didn't really work out. So there was um, lingering effects to that because many people who had Derrick Henry probably spent a lot on a waiver wire pickup of a, a backup like Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols, and then they just weren't the guys who were going to produce. So yeah, it was the uh, saw it firsthand with someone in another league where like you, you saw him after it happened, and he talking was like, "I'm done." That's it. Not making playoffs. Yeah. It's over. Like you just done. Gave up. Like it was. It was. It was devastating. So that's it. I'm out. I'm done. There's no point. Someone's gonna pass me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, for me, my personal most devastating injury because of my affiliation with the player and the fact that it cost me a trip to the championship was James Robinson. But he wasn't actually the most ah. devastating injury of the year. There. It was uh, for me. I actually put. Cam Akers was the most devastating mm. injury because if you were one of the, and for any commissioners that are out there, this is the case study of why you do not draft before like a week before the season, because these off season things are going to absolutely cripple people. But he was such a sleeper darling and people thought with Matt Stafford under center and Sean McVay offense, he's the unquestioned number one. Now, like people had him, easily in the top 10 running backs breakout candidates sleeper lists all over the place so if you were one of those guys who drafted prior to his off-season workout injury that was absolutely crippling to your season and probably ruined your season before training camps were even let out in most cases now i was semi one of those guys because I in the in the keeper league that I that I have, I, I drafted him last year for a pretty not not super low, but a pretty decently low price. And like yourself, I thought that the addition of Matt Stafford would have been, uh, you know, just good for his stock. Um, the fact that he was coming off of a great last few games the year before um, had me quite excited for the year, and I was going to be able to get him, you know, as a as a keeper. Well, that ruined that ruined my strategy there. So that took one guy off my keeper list that I otherwise would have kept. But at least, yes, I didn't have to. I could at least drop him and then for that league, keep the draft capital that would have been associated with keeping him. But that's why I consider myself maybe half of the victim of his injury. But yeah, it was devastating. I was really excited to see what he could do. And it's just too bad. Well, you I agree. That are joining maybe a half victim support group then. 
Craig, by the way, it's good to see that the police standoff is finally over. Oh, no, they're still there. <laughs> Just got blackout lines now. <laughs> All right. Waiver wire pickup of the year. Eric, you've been wrong on most of your predictions as far as this, <laughs> oh, one. this yeah. one, though, I think probably will be unanimous. Pipes, who do you got for your wa- waiver wire pickup of 2021? Lorel Patterson. Oh. Should we also give him the 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 annual Anvil Award too? The Anvil <laughs> of the Year while we're at it? Yeah, I, I think he was one of the inaugural Anvil yeah. Award winners, or he was at least a, mm-hmm. a heavy heavily supported waiver wire pickup target from us early in the season so at least we got that one right you you put that little uh tally on your board as far as things you got right this year it's tough to argue with anyone other than cordero patterson six i will do that yeah 60 all right perfect last year 218 this year so nearly four times as many 607 rush yards, six TDs, 51 receptions, 547 receiving yards, five TDs through the air. He is also my waiver wire pickup of the year. But we will allow Craig to digress. Go ahead and read your uh, dopey little statement. Because sometimes the most valuable waiver wire pickup isn't the one you make at the beginning or the middle. It's that guy that you add for the last push to make it to the playoffs and perhaps win. So mine is a guy that might have actually been available just before the postseason stretch. You got to make the playoff first, Craig. You do. But if you're pushing for that spot, he had a couple big, one big game just before potentially. And then he was clutch for the quarters, semis, and finals. Yeah, boy, wait. Eric. I'm oh. on Raw St. Brown. Oh, yes. If you picked him up late and you had him in your lineup for the playoffs. Absolutely. 20.5, 22.5, and in the finals, 33.4 points. What a Plus stretch. waiver wire pickup if you grab him. Woo! All right. I, I will give, I will grant Craig Amon Ross Sam Brown as 1B. He's too kind. For the, for the pickup <laughs> of the year. Yeah. Unfortunately, Amon Ross St. Brown, who I had been pumping his tires all year long and saying he was a sleeper and keep him for dynasties and all of that, I ended up dropping him just before the, the playoff push there and before he really popped off. And uh, yeah. that probably ended up hurting me a little bit. So. I mean, his his draft his draft stock for fantasy will probably go up as a result. But I still think that, you know, he, he was, he's probably even still a semi-sleeper because he'll probably be what, like a – seventh or eighth round wide receiver well as long as jared goff is the quarterback in detroit it's not like he's going to be a first second or probably even third round draft pick so you know but he's in the middle rounds for sure yeah. even if the most team boy, though. right but he's but he's the guy the guy shown <laughs> for the last few weeks it doesn't really matter what quarterback he's getting in there he's getting open for these guys to make passes to him so i know looks good looks good liked his name like him yeah Eric's inaugural all-team name recipient that he had handed out that award. I think maybe even on episode one. Look at us getting nostalgic here. Adorable. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw this out here again, just because of the numbers. So he had a five-week stretch in the season: ten catches, eight catches, eight catches, nine catches, eight catches. He was getting targeted hard. Yeah, probably because he was getting open. You know. He was, you know, working on his routes, working on his reading of his defenses and where to find those zone pockets to get open. And you can tell a guy like him probably once he got the experience now knows a few tricks and might reap the benefits. It's a good, good looking player. 
Well, that segues into our next category. We might as well talk about our 2022 breakout candidate of the year. So this is someone could be drafted, undrafted, whatever you want. Take however you want to frame this question, Eric. It could be someone coming out of college or someone who you just think is going to take that next step next year. Who is going to take that Jonathan Taylor-esque leap from good to superstar next year in your books? Ooh, I'm probably going to be wrong because I was wrong a lot. <laughs> a lot. But, and he already had a great season and it was already, a, you know, a top 15 wide receiver, I think, in most uh, fantasy football formats. But I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe I should consider this a bold prediction as, from the way I'm framing it here. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if Hunter Renfro became a guy who was a great, great wide receiver. Granted, a lot of his success down the line, especially in the last few games, came when Darren Waller was out. But he's really, really stepped up in the absence of my fantasy football bust of the year, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Again, someone who doesn't get a lot of headlines, but especially if you're in PPR, he is a absolute yes. monster this year. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see because Vegas could be a team that's in for a lot of changes this offseason, both in terms of who comes in as head coach. Do they keep their current interim head coach? Do they bring in a new system? Do they, who do they, is Derek Carr even going to be coming back, right? Because if they either fail to make the playoffs or it's another first round exit, is that something that the Davis family, who is famously unpatient with things, they maybe want to make a change there? Who knows? So can't say that's a reach of a pick mine i'm kind of following the exact same trajectory that jonathan taylor went on where has sort of that 1000 yard rookie season i believe taylor had 12 total tds i'm going with someone who's playing tonight who i think is going to go from uh, he was flirting with first round running back maybe second round i think Najee harris is going to be an absolute stud next year mm -hmm. already he needs, needed 16 yards to break the 1K rushing yard total. He's already done it tonight, so he's eclipsed that mark. He's got six TDs on the ground. A little bit more than what Taylor was doing, though, is he actually already had 422 receiving yards and three receiving TDs coming into this game. So I wouldn't exactly say he's a pass-catching back, but he can do it all he can. to a little bit of a better degree than Taylor could. So a bit of a different dimension there. I still don't think he's going to put up the otherworldly numbers that Taylor did because the Steelers need a lot of work on that offensive line. And I think that's probably going to be issue number one this off season for them, <laughs> as well as who the heck is going to be taking snaps under center, but we'll kick that can down the road for another day. I think he takes a huge leap forward and finishes as a top five running back next year. Najee Harris is my pick. All right. Yep. Good pick. <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to go running back and uh, rookie as well. Maybe not quite as big of a jump as we're maybe we're expecting from Harris, but uh, Javante Williams really showed Ooh. some crazy amount of talent this year. And the dude is just big and hard to tackle. Denver kind of kept on flirting with like, they kind of let Melvin Gordon show a lot more, but one more year older, I don't think Melvin Gordon has the same burst that he used to. I think Williams is going to get stronger and faster. And let's be real, Denver's going to finish last in the division. They're going to want to keep on building the young guys up. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he'll go into the first round, which might end up being a really good value pick in the second or third if you happen to grab him. But Javante Williams, I think, is going to just be a stud next year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be something that's really worth monitoring, though, is you've got Aaron Rodgers, who 
does he go back to Green Bay? Because, you know, it's the only home he's ever known. Does he go to Denver, who made a hard push for him last year? Shailene Woodley, his fiance, lives in Boulder, Colorado. So there's a little bit of a connection there. They seem to be a quarterback away from competing. They've got some weapons, all of that. The only thing that scares me, if he does go out there, no, normally you would think, oh my God, going from you know Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke to Aaron Rodgers is the simple fact that running backs don't thrive with Aaron Rodgers under center. And as someone who has owned Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and all of that, he is the guy who loves throwing from the one, two, and three yard line more than any quarterback that I have ever witnessed in football history. So that's the only knock I can think of possibly if Aaron Rodgers goes out that way, does open up the field quite a bit more for him. So maybe he gets more yardage, but at the end of the day, I think the kid's a stud. I think he's got a really bright future as well too. He's going to be someone who, again, I don't know, maybe depending how big the league is and how the picks in front of me go, maybe flirt if it's back end of the first round, but second round, if he's on the board for sure, I'm taking a long, hard look at him. Well, we've said his name quite a bit today. Most likely to go number one next year in fantasy football drafts. Do we all have Jonathan Taylor here? Or does anyone disagree and is anyone a little bit off board? Um, I think Jonathan Taylor, I think he's the most likely candidate to continue that type of production. I still think that Cooper Cup probably has a great season, but regresses maybe a little because this week, this year was just insane. But I think I'd still go with Taylor. Yeah, you're not going to pick a wide receiver first overall, usually. Well, I mean, if they're, if they're good enough. If they, I mean, if, if, if a wide receiver is good enough, you should. But I just don't think that's the case this year Taylor. or next year, I should say. Back in the early days of fantasy football <laughs> there, where Jerry, it was Jerry Rice and then like three different levels and then the next best wide receiver. Yeah, maybe you go out and you take him. Yeah. There's quite a few serviceable people out there. And yeah, we've already said there was almost a 100-point difference between Cooper Cup and number two. But yeah Ugh, right like it's that's a tough pill to swallow of taking anything other than the best running back in the league number one overall like yeah very, there's very also bad. also depending on the league there's almost a hundred point difference between taylor and the next one as well so yeah i mean do you do you take because okay, maybe the argument could be made for derrick henry as well because derrick henry was going to be the fancy mvp but do you kind of say well you know, they, they need to scale him back on his touches or else they're easy to re-injure himself. I suppose there is that risk there. So what do you guys think? What, for Taylor? Taylor hasn't been used anywhere near as much as Henry has been. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, he's got way more tread left on those tires. Again, I need to see Derrick Henry come back and run a little bit in a competitive setting because he's a big boy. And anytime there's those lower body injuries, you want to see him in motion before you start going, yeah, he'll be back at a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So I I'm leaning towards Taylor there as well, too. Again, yeah. I'm in the, if all signs point to him being back to a hundred percent and I've got a top five pick and Derek Henry's still available. Sure. But if I'm number one overall, there's no question in my mind who I'm going with. Gotcha. So you're saying Derrick Henry is the Zion Williamson of the NFL? I hope not. I hope not for his career. Well, no, no. I mean, it's. I mean, purely in the sense of a lower body injury is more devastating to a guy like him compared to your average. Run. Like a lower body injury is more is more devastating to a guy like Zion than it is to John Morant, just because of the way they're built. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not. Yeah, we, we shouldn't really be comparing him to Zion because it seems like Zion just doesn't put in the work. 
Zion flirts with 300 pounds on the yeah. best of days when he is in peak physical condition, whereas, you know, uh, Derek Henry He's is better comparison with Zion. Is, yeah, Zion's right. better compared to Eddie Lacy or like <laughs> Benjamin. Let's be real. Cheeseburger Eddie. Yeah. Okay. So oh, here's man. your Zion comparison. There you go. Derek Henry is not cheeseburger Eddie. Yeah. Well, he is not. Just like Zion Williamson could be riding off into the sunset sooner than people believe. Who is your pick for the fantasy football player who you think needs to ride off into the sunset? Now, this doesn't necessarily mean, Eric, stickler for parameters, that you think they're going to retire, but just for fantasy purposes, someone who used to be relevant, but you saw their production drop off enough this year that you think, nah, I think he goes undrafted or I wouldn't touch him with a hundred foot pole next year. Some idiot can maybe try and take a flyer on him based on name recognition alone. Mm, okay. I mean, I, I, I feel like the the person I had in mind is a, uh, they have a good chance of retiring anyways. Kind of would want to pick one that doesn't retire and just ideally say don't touch, but I'll just go with my original choice. So my, my, my uh, Corona riding <laughs> off into the sunset pick. Ben Roethlisberger to literally not be fantasy relevant anymore should he play and recommend he literally rides into the sunset and calls it a career. Well, he's got the whole family there at Heinz Field tonight. They gave him the big ovation and the special intro. Like, do you even think he even suits up? Because it, it sounds like the Steelers have already made up their mind. Ben made some comments earlier saying, oh, I don't know if I'm done. But do you see any possibility that he pulls like a Joe Montana and suits up in a Kansas City uniform weirdly at the end of his career? Or is he God, just- I hope Ben doesn't come to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't. Well, mine was easy for me because he literally said goodbye to everyone last game he played. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm not touching until it was hard enough this year. Like, he was a like mid to late round pick, which was great value for when you got him. But like, man, fantasy football playoffs when you're down receivers, walk off the against the Jets. No playoffs. Get off. Kyle. Yeah. Kyle Get disagrees. Go, away. Go find a sunset. <laughs> Kyle disagrees. Kyle. Kyle is still going to hang on Antonio Brown like he does Le'Veon Bell, and then we'll pick up it in the final round. You're the guy who <laughs> universally. He's like you're Michael Thomas. Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas were on every single one of your teams this year there, Eric. You're that. <laughs> Again, here Eric we are, Thomas. last episode of the year. <laughs> Eric is throwing up the peace sign that Antonio Brown did. Hasn't figured out. No video translates over podcasts. We'll try and iron that out for season two. But mine was Julio Jones. So, again, someone who's probably got a bit of a bump because he was going to a new team and they kind of figured, oh, okay, A.J. Brown's lining up on the other side. I kind of like that. Maybe he'll do better as a number two wide receiver. No. 52 points, 376 yards, zero touchdowns, turning 33 in February, cannot stay healthy. Some idiot is going to draft him next year in your league in a late round because they think, oh, Julio used to be really relevant. Let them. Don't lose a moment of sleep over it. I'm pouring dirt on him right now. Fantasy relevance-wise, Julio Jones is done. Pouring dirt on him? I think they were just finding the sunset, not burying them here. Ooh. Oh, you don't it's want Kyle's to- choice. Those- 
those <laughs> deserts there, Craig, when the sun goes down. Speaking of pouring dirt on people, we were, this award was originally going to be who has done the absolute worst job in coaching. Then we realized, well, everyone is going to pick Urban Meyer here. So why not just name it the Urban Meyer Award and disqualify him from the running here? Who is the coach not named Urban Meyer who impressed you the least this year in the NFL? I'll go first. I had a couple names down and then I thought maybe to make it more accurate for fantasy football, I should try to think someone else. So my fantasy football worst coach this year, Pete Carroll. Mm, oh, yeah. Um, there was just some um, – the offense you expected to do way more and it, it didn't really happen for them. You had stretches where like DK Metcalf was just not getting targeted and you literally don't need to wait for him to get separation, just throw him the ball. He went, what, like five or six games without a touchdown. He was saving them I had all. no idea. When he had <laughs> a bunch of them. I know, right? Well, like our friend John says, Seattle's eliminated now, so look for them to run up the score. I don't know. There's just like, who knew what was going on with running back for the longest time? Like, you had no idea whether Carson was going to be playing or not. And when he wasn't playing, who are they going to be relying on? And they just kept on flip-flopping. They tried Alex Collins for a while. They waited a long time to get Penny going until finally he took off. The quarterback situation where Russell was maybe thrown in there a bit too soon after his nasty club finger. Like, you just there's just so many games that just negatively affected players that you would have had in their draft. And sometimes you just didn't know how to prep for it. So I'm going with Peter. Well-deserved. I'm going with someone who, again, we've mentioned him a couple of times, but Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, both in real life and in fantasy football, just some unbelievable head scratchers, especially down the stretch. I don't know if you guys saw his latest interview. I mean, Vikings just got eliminated from the playoffs. So do you, is there any real point in starting Kirk Cousins next week? No, you guys just took Kellen Mond at quarterback. So a reporter asked him, you know, is there any chance we uh, take a look at him? And it was just like the most awkward interview ever. It was just no. And then as well, why not? I was like, well, I've seen enough of him in practice. It's like, he's just got the dead man walking <laughs> responses right now. It's hard to feel sorry for him. I mean, he's got a friggin' supermodel Maxim girlfriend uh, going on right now. So he's doing something right in his life, but it's just not calling football plays right now. So I think our friend is both getting canned in Minnesota and didn't really do too many favors to anyone on that Minnesota Vikings team other than Justin Jefferson this year, who, again, had another serviceable year, really solidifying himself as a top-flight wide receiver, even with a fairly broken offense out there in Minnesota. Uh, I think my pick will be Matt Rule. You're saying he doesn't rule. It's generally unimpressive. Uh, I had high hopes for him with uh, to potentially be a guy who could uh, help out Sam Darnold. It just really, really didn't work out. Sam Darnold doesn't even, I don't think it looks any better than he did as a Jet, but... Uh, did for the yeah, first couple yeah, yeah, weeks. Maybe, but I'll go with Matt Rule. Which brings us to our final category of the evening, looking ahead to the future. So this is our college watch list. So give me one name from college football that you are most excited fantasy football wise for next year. Cause this year there certainly won't be too many quarterbacks. Who knows? Maybe one of you guys has gone rogue and selected a quarterback, but I think it's going to be a wide receiver tight end or running back. So who do you guys have? 
Shall I go first, Eric? Sure. All right. My guy that I'm looking at, wide receiver from USC, Drake London. Mm-hmm. He had a shortened season because he, he had an injury that ended it, I think it was a high ankle sprain. Still in eight games, he put up 88 catches, 1,084 yards, and seven touchdowns, and still won the uh, Offensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. This dude is massive, but not like – like he, he looks like Mike Evans. Yeah. And he's maybe – he plays like Mike Evans, just jump up, get the ball, outrun guys. And I think what's good for him too in the draft is he'll probably be – won't be the first wide receiver picked – so he'll go maybe mid to late round. So you're going to be, chances are, getting him on a pretty good team that is looking for wide receiver help. And just with that Philadelphia size. Eagles. <laughs> honestly, like that that would be a perfect pick to go opposite of Devonta Smith. Someone who can you can throw it up to. He can stretch the field. You don't have to have the perfect pass to get it to him. The dude's got a ridiculous catch and wingspan. Like it's just catch radius. That's the term. Catch radius. So, yeah. yeah. Drake London, watch where he Roseman, goes. If you are listening to this, you have three first round picks this year. Use one of them on Drake London if he is available. Take Greg's scouting report as gospel right there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was someone that was on my list as well. I ended up going with someone different, but again, you could have gone with Drake London or to USC. You could have gone with any of the Ohio State wide receivers or any of the Alabama wide receivers or anything like that. I'm most interested though in Brees Hall, the Iowa State running back, 1,464 yards on the ground, 20 TDs. I think he's going to be a day one starter wherever he ends up. Hard to say, depending on the scouting reports right now, whether people like him as the first running back off the board or not. But I think wherever he goes, especially if it's not a firmly entrenched starter, he could be someone who is getting early and often rookie touches and immediate fantasy relevance next year. Yep, that was my pick. Um, <laughs> he, got, he looked he looked great, you know, in college the past two years. You know, he it's not like he was a guy who you know kind of like came up and then just had a breakout year in his in his last year. He's been putting it together for a couple of years now. I think he was he was top ten in Heisman both this year and last year. Yeah, I, he's a guy who scores a lot, gets a lot of yards. He, he's, I think he had like what, uh, he had over 30 receptions, 36 receptions this year. So you can, you can, you can count on him for three catches a game if you wanted it, you know, so decent stats for a, uh, for, for receiving, for running back. So yeah, uh, especially if you're in a PPR league, I, I'd take him. Yeah. 6'1". He's got some size too, right? Like he's not just a, uh speedy running back that takes advantage of the bigger fields there and poor tackling this dude is he's solid over six feet 220 already yeah he's a, he's a big yeah, boy he's, he's gonna withstand the uh punishing nfl schedule there are no yeah. problem so he's yeah he's he's got some size and he runs he runs a he ran a he runs a four four forty i think he might have done slightly better a four three nine this is best got some breakaway speed there too absolutely so there you go we did it, gentlemen. Our first did it. fantasy football awards. Our season one in the books. For, for those that are wondering when the hell they'll hear from us again, we're going to take a little break. Might do a little Super Bowl preview episode. So give the playoffs a couple of weeks. Pop back on before the NFL draft. Maybe do a reaction episode after the draft as well, too. 
But then we might do it. Maybe we can do a live episode of the first round too. have another punishment that hopefully won't take someone three hours to complete. Another pun- three hours. <laughs> the first round of the NFL draft takes like five hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, it takes about three. three. All right. We can still do it if we wanted to. I'm saying is this, is this one in Vegas where they're going to be basically having players individually go on boats up to the podium at the Bellagio? Like that's that could take a long that could take a long time. It's the stupidest thing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, well done. Good job by you. Let's maybe end this way here. Who is your Super Bowl prediction? <laughs> who makes it and who wins it this year? And then we'll sign off. Green Bay. For someone who's a stickler for parameters, you certainly don't listen to the questions very well. Who are they playing against? Green Green Bay is going and it's a forfeit win. (laughs) Green Green Bay is going to play Kansas City. I just think that Green Bay, I mean, their offense is, you know, obviously elite, but their defense has been great, Um, been pretty good. I I, I just think they're too good. But hopefully Casey gives him a good game. Hey, Craig. Well, yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Obviously, I'm picking Casey to win. And I think, I mean, Green Bay's looked the best so far in the NFC, and they haven't really had any bumps along the way, except for whenever basically Aaron Rodgers didn't play or his first week. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think they're going to start to put it together here, and they're just going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I think it'll be Casey, Rams, and obviously I'm going Casey to win. There you go. Well, I picked Green Bay to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. I had the Cleveland Browns defeating the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. This was preseason, Craig. Don't make that face. They they looked good (laughs) at the end of last season. Uh, Obviously, that's not going to happen, so I will go Green Bay. And I, I would normally say Casey here, but just to be different, I'll stick in the AFC North and I'll say Green Bay over the Bengals. Why not? Hey, Bengals are looking good, too. There's a lot of teams in the AFC that are starting to look good. Bills, I wouldn't count them out either. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you for our Super Bowl episode. For those that are listening, make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a little write-up as well, too. Check out dinespressbox.com. Thank you to our alleged sponsors who may or may not know that they actually sponsor us, Labatt and Budweiser. We'll see you guys next time. Loving that free advertising, huh? There you go. (laughs) I can't get enough of it. If we give them enough free stuff, maybe they'll finally one day sponsor us. Kyle, just send them a hat.